0: Hey everyone, just wanted to hop on before the pod to let you know that this episode of BoJack HorsePod does touch on topics of sexual assault and sexual harassment. So if those are things that you know you shouldn't be listening to, feel free to skip this episode and we'll be back next week with another good one. But if you listen and this does bring things up for you, we recommend reaching out to Rain, and you can get help 24-7 by calling one 800 656 four six seven three or do the live chat on their website rain.org we'll see you next week if you choose to skip and now on to the show and welcome back to BoJack HorsePod, the BoJack Horseman story. Today we will be talking about season two, episode seven of BoJack Horseman, Hank After Dark. I'm Kirsten McInnes, joined as always by the lovely Lindsay Wilson. Lindsay, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, but I'm not excited to talk about this episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so here's the thing, okay? I love this show, and I love how this show is not afraid to broach difficult topics, you know? Mm-hmm. And I I do like also that they were like, you know what, this is a pretty serious episode, so we're not going to lean into the jokes, you know? Mm-hmm. Cuz I think that would have come off really poorly. And I can recognize that all of those things about this show are are why this show is is great and why we love BoJack Horseman. But at the same time, this is a very heavy episode to talk about. A lot of lot of serious stuff going on and so like selfishly for the podcast I wish that there had been more humor but like that would have just made the show worse so I I understand why
1: yeah well so before we came on you had said like oh such bad timing or whatever but the thing thing that I was thinking was like this episode came out in 2015 and I'm not sure that there would have been a time in the ensuing six years where we could have talked about this where it didn't feel extremely relevant and that is a huge bummer
0: exactly yeah every everything about this is Relevant and has been relevant for years, mm-hmm. and so it's just uh, you know it's just tough, but well, we're gonna talk about it anyways because you don't shy away from difficult conversations.
1: Yeah. And you kind of start thinking like, oh, this ties in with like the Me Too movement. But I feel like this even proceeds when Me Too really became a thing. So it's like, just such a bummer that it's been such a problem for so long that they could do an episode about this in 2015. And we can still be talking about it like, yes, this is still extremely relevant.
0: Well, yeah, because if this episode had come out two years later, then at least Uncle Hank Mm -hmm. maybe would have faced a consequence.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: That this came out in a time when you couldn't imagine men facing consequences for their actions.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just the way that this episode ends and like all those lines of like, Yeah, I'm Hank Hippopotamus. Who the hell are you? Everyone knows me. So hmm. Yeah.
0: Anyways, so
1: Yeah, we'll get into all this. We'll fun get stuff. into
0: all that and more. We will we'll dig deep. But this one, you know, might not be the lightest episode of Horse Pod around. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll we'll do what we can do. So the episode starts. It is the 1994 Animal Choice Awards and Bojack, Mr. Peanut Butter, and Hank Hippopopoulos are all nominated for I did not pay attention to which award.
1: Male animal in a comedy, drama or variety show.
0: Mm, incredible.
1: <laughs> love these categories on this show.
0: <laughs> comedy, drama or variety show. And so there's like a scene from Horsin' Around where Bojack's like, no, that's what I call horsing around and then there's a clip from mr peanut butter's house which in my mind they were never on at the same time like to me it was like oh mr peanut butter's house must have started like shortly after
1: Mm -hmm. i think i envisioned it as like maybe once horsing around was like a success and it was like oh everybody loves this and it's been like two seasons or three seasons maybe then they start mr peanut butter's house
0: maybe but yeah so they're on at the same time Mr. Peanut Butter makes like literally the same joke
1: that's what I call dogging around
0: like okay yeah cause dogging around's a thing <laughs> uh, and then Hank Hippopoulos is nominated it's like a late night show and he's like giving back a baby
1: Yeah, Uh, That did make me laugh. They always had the zookeeper with like some scary animal. And the host is always like, oh, no. In this case, it was a baby crawling around. He's like, get it off.
0: I got to admit, I didn't even click that that's what it was. I was just like, (laughs) what what am I watching? But of course, Hank Hippopolis won. And then it flashes to the after party. Mr. Peanut Butter is there with his first wife, who, when she walks away from Mr. Peanut Butter, says, Erica, send me a raft. Mm Mm-hmm. Erica yeah. has been in the picture for years.
1: Years and years. Always a big party presence that Erica.
0: But like I wanna know what happened. Like obviously at this point, like Mr. Peanut Butter's first wife is a mess.
1: hmm Katrina. Uh,
0: Katrina. And now in the future, Mr. Peanut Butter's like, Oh hey Erica, what the hell are you doing here? So like, <laughs> how did that happen?
1: It's a good point. She seems like she can handle interacting with both parties. It's good.
0: It's wild because social like, chameleon Erica. Erica is. I, I wonder if we ever get to see Erica. I feel I like I don't no. think so, but I don't know. I feel like she's just a recurring bit. Yeah. So Mr. Peanut Butter wants to talk to Bojack about, like, hey, who would have thought guys like us? And he's like, listen, peanut bottle. Uh, there are no guys <laughs> like us. I'm Bojack Horseman and you're some man I'll probably never speak with again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I love that Hank comes over and he goes like, what is this, a crossover episode? And Mr. Peanut is like, that is the funniest thing I have ever heard.
0: Well, yeah. And it just goes to show like, obviously, Hank Hi- Hippopoulos is someone that Mr. Peanut Butter has idolized for his whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how much he means to Mr. Peanut Butter. Mr. Peanut Butter takes a picture. He's like, Yeah, I'm sure we got it. We'll know in like six to eight weeks.
1: Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> can't
0: wait. And Hank goes to Bojack. And Bojack is like drinking a lot and has like several flasks.
1: Why doesn't my suit have more flasks?
0: Which, like, why do you need that many? Like, like you <laughs> refill a flask. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? They're not disposable. And he's like, You're really funny, but I'm Uncle Hanky. You can't beat Uncle Hank.
1: Yeah, like, oddly sinister. You can't beat Uncle Hanky.
0: I mean, but what do you expect? So Hank Hippopotamus, voiced by Philip Baker Hall, known for Boogie Nights. Yes. He was in Rush Hour.
1: You know what? The first thing I recognized his voice from was, do you ever see, do you ever watch Modern Family?
0: I've seen some Modern Family.
1: So there's, like, a, a couple episodes where Luke becomes friends with, like, the old man who lives next door, and it's this guy
0: oh that's who he is yeah I've definitely seen those episodes and it just didn't click for me because I was sitting here looking at like the modern family credit on his IMDB and I was like why don't I know him from yeah. this but that makes sense
1: yeah I was just like why does this voice sound so familiar and I guess it would have been like around the same time probably also
0: so. a, a recurring character in Curb Your Enthusiasm two episodes oh. one 2004 one, 2009 he was in Zodiac that's probably what I would know him the most from
1: I'm not familiar. Zodiac is such
0: a good movie.
1: What's it about? The
0: Zodiac killer.
1: Oh, you do love a killer,
0: Lindsay. <laughs> you do love a killer. Not that. Well, he was in Bruce Almighty. It's too bad he wasn't in Evan Almighty. We could ask Mary if she met him. <laughs> Mary was in Evan Almighty.
1: <laughs> How do I not know this? What was? I just left? found out this <laughs> week.
0: She was some like child who lived in the neighborhood. Amazing. Is that nuts? <laughs>
1: Evan Almighty wow I think I must have seen that movie
0: I don't think I saw Evan Almighty I think I only saw Bruce Almighty and I wasn't actually allowed to watch Bruce Almighty because my mom was like it's sacrilegious like it's
1: it was quite blasphemous
0: it's blasphemous you know
1: yeah I really liked it I remember being very taken with that movie when I was a kid
0: well you might be a heretic you know well (laughs) (laughs) when you're right you're right we get really serious about God on this podcast
1: Just one of the many serious topics we'll be dealing with today.
0: <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, very, very famous man. I recognize his face when I see him. hmm Have you ever seen Magnolia? No. Neither have I. I guess he's known for it. <laughs>
1: according to imdb
0: yeah it was the first thing on the list of known for the uh, the description says an epic mosaic of interrelated characters in search of love forgiveness and meaning in the san fernando valley if you take out the san fernando valley that's basically love actually
1: oh true i thought you were just gonna say like every movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) say that too (laughs) you so rude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we get the the credits, and after the credits, Sebastian Saint Clair is back.
1: Hmm. He wants a Toblerone.
0: He wants a big Toblerone bar. And someone in- get this
1: guy a Toblerone. <laughs>
0: someone get this guy a Toblerone. Do you like Toblerone?
1: I do. It's not my favorite, and I feel like it's that weird shape is hard to eat.
0: I actually <laughs> prefer the like small Toblerone size. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Like the big Toblerone, I think, is overrated by, you know, film and media because mm-hmm. it's like everyone's always got one from the airport. I've never once purchased a Toblerone at the airport. No, me either. But my mom used to get us a little thing where it was like five small Toblerones together would be in our stocking at Christmas.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's the most recent Toblerone I had was in my stocking at Christmas.
0: I didn't get one this year.
1: Yeah, that's some bullshit.
0: I'm going to bring that tradition back. I'm going to buy the Toblerones for everybody next year
1: do it. I support you fully. Be the change you wish to see in this world, you know? <laughs> this gotta, is the kind of change we can get behind. <laughs>
0: gotta make a difference. And so Diane's like, I'm not going to be there for like a month. And Sebastian St. Clair's like, yeah, but I always forget if I don't write things down. It's like, just don't forget to bring me a big Toblerone bar.
1: I love this approach. Like just call her, ask her for it while you're thinking of it. Then you can stop thinking about it.
0: Honestly, I'm on board. Yeah. He asks how things are going on the Secretariat movie and he's like she's like actually it's kind of sad someone died we're on a break from filming now so we're going on a book tour and Sebastian's like oh one person died how sad well here in Cordovia I'm sewing arms back on orphans so please get here soon the people of Cordovia need you and I need that Toblerone
1: more importantly
0: and then he's like did I sew those arms on you backwards are you giving Charged. me a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I can't tell. <laughs> I feel like reattaching arms is a much more serious endeavor than just doing stitch like what he just stitched <laughs> the skin back, but just sewed them back on. No no care to put him bones
1: back in sockets or
0: anything oh, like God. that. Like
1: children, their bones heal more easily, I think. Because than- like
0: I know you can do stuff like that. Like I know someone who has like a thumb from a cadaver.
1: Because
0: ah. they cut off their thumb as a child.
1: You're right. Ugh. It's weird to think about.
0: So it's like, obviously, you can sew like, a, a finger on or an arm mm. on. Broad. Maybe an arm. Maybe you can't do a whole arm. Who knows? Where's Liana from science when you need her?
1: <laughs> someone write in and tell us the logistics of this.
0: Yeah, I'd like to know. Like, ind- I mean, I guess we could just look it up on Wikipedia. but Absolutely not. I, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to write it down to remember later. So if someone could please describe to me how you sew an <laughs> arm back on a person. Or if you can. Or if you even can. I'm sure you can.
1: Yeah. Science has come so far. Yeah.
0: So they're going on a book tour and they're starting in Juneau, Alaska. And Princess Caroline is like, listen, this is a big deal. You're in a film now. Anything bad you say can reflect poorly on Secretariat. You got to be good. And he's like, well, we're going to Alaska. How could I offend? Insert like 15 offensive things here. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, of course. Why would I even ask?
1: <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of the moment when they were like, oh, you got to like stay of hot water from back when Herb was outed. I feel like that was kind of similar. I can't defend Herb because I'm trying to protect my career.
0: Ooh, that is an interesting parallel that I had not considered.
1: Yeah. Well. Just popped into my head right now. But
0: <laughs> Honestly, Lindsay Wilson girl genius. Uh, so <laughs> what's wrong with me? I
1: thought that on my tombstone.
0: I don't want a tombstone okay
1: yeah very fair but if I wanted a, tombstone, a premium
0: I think you just put my most recent tweet like five tweets on it
1: <laughs> yeah that's good
0: like and hopefully I've live tweeted my death so it'll be really relevant
1: I feel like it would be fine to just put like extremely funny and hot
0: extremely funny and hot you know you're not wrong but Maggie Morgan might want that for her tombstone
1: Yeah. Do you guys live far enough away from each other that you could both have it?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're not going to be in the same cemetery.
1: Yeah. I also, again,
0: will be in no cemetery at all. I kind of like, I don't even know if I'd want to be cremated. Like, maybe just donate my body to science, you know?
1: Yeah. I've said the same thing.
0: Like, I would, honestly, I could think of nothing better than for my eternal resting place to be that they do research on one of those murder farms. Do you know Mm. what I'm talking about? <laughs> murder firms. It's where they do like people donate their bodies to science and then the bodies are allowed to decompose in like different environments. Oh yeah. Um, so that they get more information on like what kind of bugs and like what kind of decay happens in different areas so that like when you find like a murder victim you can more accurately tell like when they were dumped there.
1: Yeah. Did you learn about this from Mary Roach? No. Okay. Who's that? She has a book. She is a science writer and she has a book that's called Stiff and she talks a lot about like medical science on cadavers or like research on cadavers and that's one of the things she talks about.
0: No, I learned about it just from being a murderino.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, she went to one of those places and checked it out and it was uh, it was interesting.
0: I, th- I like I think that I would be I think that would be like a noble like last thing to do on this planet.
1: Sure. And then like maybe your skeleton is like hung in a classroom somewhere.
0: No, that's too far. (laughs) That's entirely too intimate. Because then what? I have to haunt the skeleton? Sure. Like, now I'm spending my days freaking out kids in school.
1: That sounds fun. Is that a problem?
0: I mean, it's not a problem. But like, what if I have other (laughs) stuff I'd rather do?
1: Uh, This is a good point. I
0: don't know what it's like to be dead.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be limited in who you can haunt.
0: Right? Yeah. I want to haunt anyone. Yeah. Huh. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like my sister's like, oh, should we like do something with our mom's ashes? And I'm like, no, keep them in the box. <laughs> it's like a nice like wooden carved box, not just like a box. Um, <laughs> it's good that you clarified. I'm like, no, I like to talk to them sometime.
1: <laughs> oh, amazing!
0: I'm sorry. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, I'm healthy. (laughs) So the other plot line this episode is with the celebrities. Do they know things? What do they know? Let's find out. Wanda and Todd are, you know, at a photo shoot. And Hank hosts the Whatever dancing show. Hey, I
1: think you can dance.
0: Yeah, I, I knew it was something with thinking and dancing, but <laughs> I, I couldn't put the words in order. And so they're getting the. They want a picture of them back to back. So it could be like, oh, Mr. Peanut Butter and Uncle Hank are back to back on whatever Thursdays or whatever. MBN. MBN. And Mr. Peanut Butter is starstruck at seeing Uncle Hank again. Hank is like. Nice to meet you. And he's like, no, we've met before. Look at this photo of us that I keep in my wallet from, what, it was 1994, 1996? Yeah, 1994. Yeah. So that's weird to me, to keep a picture from 1994
1: in your wallet. Definitely. And it's also like the picture is really wonderful, where it's like mostly of BoJack.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we probably got it. Yeah. And then, yeah, they're trying to pose. Mr. Peanut Butter gets so excited, he starts break dancing. He Hank, initially was
1: nailing it, the pose, but then he, he just He instantly got
0: it and then was like, mm-hmm. never mind. And Hank's like, how about, you know what? We're both, we're two professionals. Guys like us, we just know what to do. Let's just do what comes naturally. Guys Mr. like Peanut us. Peanutbutter's like, guys like us? What? You don't so, want to be a guy like Hank. What did you just say to me?
1: He said, you don't want to be a guy like Hank.
0: I thought you said, I want to be a guy like Hank. And I was like, <laughs> Lindsay, you watched the whole episode, right? Did you turn it off here? <laughs> this like-
1: is where I shut it off. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good lord.
1: <laughs> Let the record show I do not want to be a guy like Hank. No,
0: nobody wants to be a guy like Hank except for guys like Hank. And they suck. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they sure do.
0: So then it goes back to Bojack's book reading, and it's time for questions.
1: Your book talked a lot about how much you like apple fritters.
0: He's so, fu- so the guy gets up, and he's like, I know you like apple fritters, ha, ha, ha. And he's like, yeah, thanks, Diane. He goes, so what do you think about Israel and Palestine?
1: Mm-hmm. Topical.
0: I mean, oh, again, has constantly been topical for years and years. Mm-hmm. It's not new information. And so of course, Princess Caroline is like, "Oh my god, Bojack's going to say something offensive and we're going to get canceled." And Bojack just nails it with, you know, the perfect walking the middle two-state solution with a focus on human rights. It seems like a place to start. And even the the two men, one in an Israel hat, one in a Palestine hat, they like what he has to say.
1: I had no memory of what he was going to say. I was just like, "Oh no." But he nails it.
0: Yeah, he, he nails it in, in that moment. Great PR answer from BoJack.
1: Princess Carolyn is like, what just happened?
0: <laughs> yes. Also seems like a great place to say hashtag free Palestine. So anyways, BoJack is doing a great job. <laughs> Diane does not do such a great job with the interview.
1: Yeah, not so much.
0: I don't even really remember how it got started.
1: Yeah, so they say basically, like, you got into some pretty heavy stuff where you had all worried that it was going to ruin Bojack's reputation. And she's like, Well, I think the truth is always worth pursuing. And there are other celebrities who have done way worse things than Bojack, and their careers are totally fine. Which
0: is true. And they're like, Like, who? So she starts listing off celebrities, who again, I did not keep track of.
1: Yeah, neither did I. But there's like a lot of very famous people.
0: She says, Hank Hippopoulos. And they're like, What are you talking about? She's like, It's public knowledge. Like, his last eight assistants all have said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he definitely has done this. And everyone Googles. Just need to Google it. <laughs> everyone Googles and they're like, oh my
1: God. Mm-hmm.
0: So, we never actually find out what the specific allegations against Hank are in this episode.
1: Yeah, I actually thought that was interesting. I wonder if they had done this a couple of see season- like a couple years later, if maybe they wouldn't have had these moments where like the TV gets shut off right before he's accused of things. But maybe that's like supposed to be it. Like let your imagination run wild.
0: Well, I know that in general, this plotline is supposed to be referencing like the Bill Cosby stuff. Is it? Yeah, because it was like a comedian was like told the audience was like, Google Bill Cosby rape and see what comes up. Right. Because it was like, it hadn't really been like a secret, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But I wonder yeah. what was
0: the timeline. Yeah, I was not. thinking it's just like
1: any number of Hollywood men.
0: Because he was convicted in 2018. Okay, we found an ABC News article, a timeline. Okay, in 2004, allegations came out. Mm-hmm. This is very, like, I knew this was going to be like an extremely lengthy timeline because Bill Cosby did so many bad stuff. Yeah, in twenty fourteen was when stuff really heated up. Yeah. Again, obviously. When was this episode? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen, and so it probably was like written and everything in twenty fourteen. Yeah,
1: that seems like the right. And so, timing. which is in the
0: timeline, because there's a lot of stuff that happened twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen
1: with the Bill Cosby stuff. Yeah, and like so I'm reading a Reddit thread that just says, "So about Hank Hippopolis, was he based on Harvey Weinstein?" And then a bunch of people said. No, the point is that he was beloved. Nobody ever loved Weinstein. It's supposed to be based on Bill Cosby. And then a couple people said, like, most famous inspiration is Bill Cosby, but he's a composite character of countless powerful men in the industry who routinely get away with things.
0: Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't just be like, oh, yeah, there's this one monster. Just the one guy. Um, yeah. It's it a- is a
1: good point, though, about like him being beloved of like people being like, what? I can't possibly imagine that someone that we love could do something bad.
0: Well, and I think that that's part of it, too, is it's like, you know, always like allegations come forward and always, 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 at least the stance that I'm taking. And I think I feel comfortable saying this official stance of BoJack HorsePod. Believe women, because, <laughs> you know, when things like this come out there's not benefits to the people that spoke out like your life has already been damaged by what you've been through and mm-hmm. then you get re-traumatized by coming forward with it. And then you get re-traumatized over and over and over again every time you have to talk about it, every time someone minimizes your experience, every time people don't believe you, you're not making a benefit. The system that we have does not work to adequately protect people who've been victimized. And yeah. that's what, what makes me so mad when people talk about like cancel culture. And they're like, cancel culture has gone too far. And I would please give me one example of someone who has been legitimately canceled. Like that doesn't mean anything. Someone being canceled doesn't mean anything. I would like people to face consequences for their actions. And if you want to call that cancel culture, then fine. You can call it that. But more often than not, someone has done horrible things. Those horrible things come to light and nothing Mm -hmm. happens to the person who's perpetrated them. And Th- that's something that I I would just beseech people to keep in mind next time something happens and you have that thought of, oh, but maybe they're lying because there is overwhelming science and evidence to suggest that that's not really something that happens.
1: Yeah, I think this episode does a good job of capturing that, of people being like, oh, well, like, why would you say that? You're just trying to get attention and just trying to ruin his life. Like, wait, I'm sorry, you're you're worried about ruining his life? Like, really? That's what we're going to be worried about here? And like, that has happened in so many cases. And like, just believe women, please just do it.
0: I'm really glad you're on board with that because we would have really sucked to cancel the podcast in season two. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think we're both like we're on the same page about everything all the time. But just that's true. We uh,
0: are on the same page about everything all the time.
1: (laughs) Freedom of speech is not freedom from consequence.
0: Yeah. And if you're worried about, oh, but someone lost their job. okay, well, is their job actually a branch of the government? Because if Mm -hmm. not, then they're not actually protected Your actions still, like, can provide consequences outside of the legal system as well.
1: Yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day about how when men do these things, there will always be this, like, big outpouring of people being like, yeah, he did this thing, but, like, that's not who he is as a person. It's like, dudes don't get one free sexual assault. Like, you don't get a free pass for this. That is who you are. You did a shitty thing, and now you have to deal with your consequences. No,
0: no, Lindsay, the first one's free. It's like drugs. (laughs)
1: Yeah, first one's free, and only if you do it after that are you a bad person.
0: Yeah, you get you get one, and that's we've talked about this before. The concept where people will be like, "I'm a good person," "I'm a good person," and like, how many times do you get to keep saying that while doing bad things mm-hmm. before something has to click of like, "Oh, maybe I'm not a good person."
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, that was one of the things we talked about on a previous yeah. episode of like, I think it was even BoJack being like, oh, but this isn't really me. And it's like, OK, well, I think people hide behind that all the time of like, I am a good person. I believe that. So I can do these shitty things because it doesn't actually reflect on who I am as a person. Like, no, that's just who you are. Well,
0: I also think, I think this is a good benchmark for anybody. If you just sit there and you're fundamentally like, I'm a good person and you never examine that. Mm-hmm. I hate to break it to you, but I think you're probably not a very good person I think good people struggle with being like, am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Am I a good person? Am I a bad person if I do this thing? I think that's Mm -hmm. part of being a good person is like constantly checking in and making sure that you're continuing to meet like your standard for being a good person. And if you're just like, oh, no, I'm a good person. Uh, That means I can do whatever I want hate to break it to you, buddy, but you're a bad person. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think they, that often kind of goes hand in hand with like shitty people because they just never actually think about the things that they do. And yeah, yeah you're right. It's, absolutely. The,
0: it's the same thing, too, with like smarter people tend to be the ones who like get in their head about like, oh, but am I smart? Is that the right thing to say? Do I know things? Mm-hmm. Let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> um, whereas like if you are not as smart, you maybe aren't like constantly thinking about that. Which not to equate like being smart with being a- being good because that's not the same thing at all. Like you can be no, not smart and be like a great person.
1: And vice versa, you and, can be smart. And vice versa, and an you can be
0: like a lot of really, really bad people are really, really smart too. I, I didn't yeah. mean to equate that at all. But I just no. think it's like when you are evaluating a trait, most mm-hmm. of the time if you're not like actively thinking about that
1: trait, you probably don't actually have it. Yeah. If you just take it for granted, that's never a good sign. I feel like I'm just like repeating back everything that you're saying, but saying it worse. Everything you're saying is right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just listen to what Carson is saying.
0: <laughs> oh, we're, God, Lindsay, we're so functional. <laughs> so adorable.
1: Yeah, it's really wonderful.
0: <laughs> um, Yes. And so we also find out that the Prince of Cordovia has been in the States and- mm-hmm does look identical to Todd. He has a great face.
1: There was a previous episode where Todd has said like, oh, people say all the time that I look like a bunch of people. And one of the examples he gave was the Prince of Cordovia.
0: Well, look at you with the callback. I didn't remember that. But yeah, so he actually does look identical to the Prince of Cordovia, which is... A very funny little thing. And so they actually switched spots at the grocery store and like take each other's mm-hmm. lives. So that does <laughs> have some impact on this episode.
1: Was I just not paying attention? Like, did we get an explanation as to how this happened? No,
0: all of a sudden there was a news thing and it showed the Prince of Cordovia was buying chili, mm-hmm.
1: which was what, what Todd, Todd was, was doing, to doing for
0: Mr. Peanut Butter. And then I think that the actual prince saw that and was like, oh, I can be American. Yeah. Uh, that's my guess but we don't they never actually really explain it all it just kind of happens
1: yeah maybe we find it in a later episode
0: I I feel like they're not going to come back to this probably not but yeah and then the the meat of this episode is that Diane is getting a lot of heat just literally for bringing up something that was easily googleable like everybody Mm -hmm. knew about it but just nobody cared I guess yeah sounds about right Yep. And now suddenly there are much larger audiences at these book readings and book signings. There's an old yep. woman hugging a picture of Hank. And they say, if Hank did anything wrong, they wouldn't let him on TV.
1: Yeah, which is truly horrifying.
0: I, Do you think people still believe that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like to think fewer people believe that.
0: I'm sure fewer people believe that.
1: And- I guess we kind of skipped over Mr. Peanut Butter saying that he asks, like Mr. Peanut Butter asked Diane not to make a big thing about this. And she's like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, I'm not going to make a big thing about it. And it's like a little gross. It's more than a little gross. It's super gross that he's like, oh, it's going to hurt my show if you like make this into a thing.
0: Yeah, it is really gross. But I think it also just shines a light on, pe- in general, people are pretty self-interested. And I think especially mm-hmm. when you're looking at, you know, Hollywood where for years and years and years and years, just absolutely hideous behavior got covered up at every point because of rationale like this. Like Women wanted to say things about Harvey Weinstein for years, and the people who did, literally their career was just over. And so people did have to make that choice of, do I speak up and possibly prevent the suffering of someone else or do I accept that what I do will mean nothing it will simply ruin my career and then he's going to keep doing what he's doing and so I do think that it's important to also have this plot line of being like yeah people will often be complacent in times when they probably shouldn't be out of self interest and it's like Mr. Butter is a product of the area and the time and place that he's in can you blame him for that? I kind of do, but then I also feel like I've never been in that situation. Mm -hmm. So would I do the same thing? I don't know. I like to think that I wouldn't.
1: And they do a good job too of like really driving home like how difficult this is for Diane to pursue in the sense that it's like, okay, there will be retributions and it's on people that you actually really care about. So like if she says something, oh well your husband works at this network and he's going to lose his job probably and also like your friend Bojack's girlfriend is going to lose her job and like there are all these people around you that are really going to suffer from you doing this and even if you don't care that much about yourself look at all the backlash that's going to come and hurt people around you so like I think they do a really good job of making it personal for her
0: it's just tough it's tough like again it's it's a situation where there is kind of obviously a right thing to be doing and a wrong thing to be doing Mm-hmm. But that gets muddied when you think about how it impacts yourself and the people around you.
1: Mm-hmm. And like people just don't believe you. And he has a lot of power that she doesn't have.
0: Yeah. And there's also someone at this book reading that's like, you women are all the same.
1: Yeah. This was the moment that made me furious. Shut up. I mean, several of them did. But this one, I was just like, are you kidding I me? I didn't
0: write everything down that that person said or animal. I don't remember if it's an animal person. I was like, mm, you miss me with this. I don't. I don't want to talk to you or about you.
1: Mm hmm. Agreed.
0: Gross.
1: So gross. Yeah. it's just like for attention. Um, just like get out of here with your. And then bullshit. one
0: thing that kind of happens throughout this is that Bojack will like purposefully be saying like really problematic <laughs> things to try and get the attention off of Diane to try and shift the story to anything else.
1: Yeah. She's upstaging him with this.
0: Yeah, she is definitely taking the attention, and Bojack doesn't love that. Then we have got Bojack on the phone with Wanda, and Wanda's like, why is Diane doing this? Like, my network could, like, be gone because of this. Yeah,
1: she's, like, legitimately pissed.
0: And that also kind of goes to, like, I think Wanda is one of the characters in this episode who we don't really get any nuance from. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Wanda and this really represents the old guard and like this yep. is how the status quo is and why would you say that and this is ruining my like career and that makes sense especially she's been in a coma.
1: Yeah true and it's like this is a person who makes money for our network we've been hearing about this stuff like you get your like Matt Lauer is her. it's like we've been hearing stuff but like he brings in a lot of money so like it's better for us from a capitalist perspective, not to address this.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I I do think it is really clever to have her literally be like, she's been not awake for Mm -hmm. 30 years. And so, of course, she represents like the past in a way. So that was really well done by the show. Bojack says that sometimes Diane whips herself into a frenzy and just doesn't think rationally. And that pissed me off.
1: Yes. These damn hysterical women. Well, because
0: I can't. So irrational. I can't stop thinking. I am sure... That someone has said basically the exact same thing about me so many times. That I'm I whip myself into a frenzy and I'm not thinking rationally because of how emotional I am about issues. It's like caring about stuff doesn't mean you're not rational.
1: And this is another policy of the Bojack Horsebud is that if someone says that to you, they are gaslighting you.
0: Don't let shitty people make you feel like your concerns aren't valid. Exactly. It's hard it's easier said than done. But anyways, if you're w- if you're looking for a sign, this is your sign to dump him. OK, mm-hmm. if that helps any Bojack HorsePod listeners.
1: Tone policing is how the patriarchy convinces you that your opinions are invalid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have nothing else to say. Mic drop moment for Lindsay over here. <laughs> we get then they get off the phone and the, our, our friend Mr. Penguin is here And for some show, I don't remember what it's called because the kids have gone through puberty and they're rubbing themselves on everything.
1: (laughs) Get a hose.
0: She's like, if it's not one thing, it's another. Just get a hose.
1: (laughs) We also skipped over and I just want to flag it because I say it all the time and I don't know why I say it all the time. But there's a good moment for Mr. Peanut Butter where he's like, I'm really getting along with J.D. Salinger. Did you know we both hate phonies? I love that.
0: I (laughs) did actually laugh out loud at that moment (laughs) because Diane goes, yes, I did know that. yeah
1: Yeah, i love that like i did know that actually yeah Yeah, anytime anyone mentions catcher in the rye anything like that i'm like did you know we both hate phonies
0: you didn't even say that last week when we talked about catcher in the rye so like i know but i made a note of it
1: you're a liar i made a note of it it's like for next week oh my god i didn't want to spoil the joke before people got to it
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do think we talked about phonies last week, though, and so this is where you know Todd, the well, the Prince of Cordovia, as Todd, is bringing Mr. Peanut Butter his mail, and has opened all of the mail. Mm-hmm. Mr. Peanut Butter is like, "Don't you know this is a felony?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'm just poor American.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm impoverished. <laughs> it's totally fine."
0: Mr. Peanut Butter is getting so many death threats for Diane. And Prince of Cordovia is like, your wife, she poked bear. Bear not like to get poked. Bear get angry. And then goes on like a monologue about how bears kill like poor villagers. So, ugh. This episode is just a heavy episode. I know. So then they are at Manatee Fair, which is a great pun.
1: With Amanda Hannity. With
0: <laughs> Amanda Hannity, who is voiced <laughs> by Christine Baranski. Have we talked about her already?
1: Have we? Maybe not. No, because we've never talked
0: about Mamma Mia on this podcast.
1: Oh, yes. That's her. Yes. Um, She's the one who sings what does your mother know. Exactly. (laughs)
0: Also, what I know her best from is when she was on Ugly Betty for a little bit, which is so stupid because she was in like three episodes and was like not her face wasn't there. But I just like remember her voice from like the phone calls in Ugly Betty.
1: She was in How the Grinch Stole Christmas also. First movie I ever owned on DVD.
0: First movie you ever owned on DVD.
1: Yeah. Put that on the Lindsay trivia quiz.
0: Whoa. I'm going to have to make a Lindsay trivia quiz. <laughs> Obviously very famous, very good career. And so what's Fancy Nancy? <laughs> she's also, she's in The Good Fight. There's another Bad Moms movie because it's in pre-production. It's called Bad Moms Moms and she's in it. <laughs> it's the third Bad Moms
1: I didn't know there were two. There are
0: three credited cast members so far for Bad Mom's Mom's. One of them is Christine Baranski. Do you have any guesses on any of the others? One of Who else them would be
1: a Mom's Mom. I feel like one mm. of them is like
0: pretty obvious. Really? Like I see their name and I'm like, yes, of course. Who is it? Susan Sarandon.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that tracks.
0: Right? Like I just instantly I'm like, yeah, okay, she would be a bad <laughs> she could play mom's someone's mom's,
1: mom's mom. <laughs> She'd be
0: a bad grandma. <laughs> Yeah. Also would be um, ran it.
1: Seventy-four. Good God.
0: <laughs> it would be bad to also not mention that Christine Branski's in Chicago and into the woods.
1: Yes, Chicago. Good call.
0: I don't need any of those Chicago heads to be coming at me <laughs> saying, you, you, you didn't mention that she was in Chicago. I know, okay, I know. She was in Chicago. I know she was in <laughs> Chicago. Let me live. <laughs> I don't, we honestly, we should just simply stop talking about the cast because I was about to say cast and crew. We don't talk about the crew, so we never talk about the crew, um, which I think well, that might make us bad people, but whatever.
1: <laughs> we don't know anything and we don't want to do the research. Like, I already if don't, someone will provide it to us. We'll read it yeah, on the podcast. I already
0: don't know anything about the cast, let alone the crew. Like, leave <laughs> let it live exactly. But yeah, so at Manatee Fair, Diana's pitching an expose on Hank Hippopoulos and. She wants to write like a big this big article. Princess Carolyn is like, I have your back on this. Like, women have to stick together.
1: Even Amanda is like, Yeah, this his career is basically suggesting that his reputation is more important than the lives of the women.
0: She literally just is spitting pure facts this whole time. All eight of Hank Hippopoulos' former assistants have said nothing and do not want to talk. So Diane's like, I'm gonna keep working at it, blah, blah, blah. And we find out that hank's current assistant has called and wants to talk to somebody we also get this is the second time in the episode where someone complains about honeydew just to clock that <laughs> recurring bit but i just i would like I, I have something really important to say about honeydew that i'd like to put on the record is it that you like honeydew no it's like i effing hate honeydew but this show <laughs> acts like cantaloupe is good but it's not cantaloupe yeah. is also bad honeydew and cantaloupe are both trash melons
1: <laughs> yeah so if I was forced to eat one I would prefer to eat a cantaloupe but yeah, still. I know the
0: difference I know they're always together and I don't like either of them
1: cantaloupe is the orange one honeydew is the green one
0: they're both trash
1: yeah get them out of here I might
0: like honeydew more than cantaloupe
1: wow. they're both
0: disgusting though again I hate them both
1: <laughs> and they're always like the majority of a fruit salad yeah
0: like stop acting like the presence of this of a trash melon implies that any other melon there is good
1: <laughs> trash because you know i'm gonna come out with a hot
0: melon take right now watermelon also not that good
1: whoa that is a hot take it's a hot
0: take i know and i need to stand in my truth
1: wow like i'll eat That's watermelon whereas i
0: won't eat honeydew or cantaloupe so like it is better than them but you think i'm buying a watermelon i'll just drink water honey
1: yeah i don't think i've ever bought a watermelon but if i was like at some sort of event and it was like look and here is some watermelon and it was like summertime and it looked like it was really good then probably i would eat it like actually probably i would certainly I'll eat it, eat it
0: <laughs> at an event or whatever mm-hmm. if there's no other option which often there's not because i'm vegetarian but i'm not happy about it it's so gross it's yeah. one of the grossest <laughs> things that i will eat though
1: watermelon yeah. it's one of the grossest things you'll eat because
0: most of the things that are gross i just won't eat watermelon i'll eat if it's there but like i wouldn't buy one i've been down that path before i've tried to buy a watermelon it didn't go great
1: No, no. They're also often very large. What do you do with it? You know,
0: you buy the small little circle one and you got to eat it fast.
1: Real fast. That's the thing.
0: It's overrated. And that's obviously (laughs) why melon is like the majority of a fruit bowl because you get such a large quantity.
1: Yes, for sure. No, I'm definitely pro watermelon. I'm sort of whatever about cantaloupe and I'm quite anti honeydew.
0: So if it was a fuck, Mary kill, watermelon, cantaloupe, (laughs) honeydew. Mm-hmm. You would kill Honeydew, yeah. marry Watermelon, and fuck yeah. Cantaloupe?
1: I guess so, because then in that scenario, it's like a one-night stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can spend my life with the Watermelon.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's the kind of the definitive for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, in this scenario, you're suggesting it was like sort of a mediocre night, but <laughs> it's just the once.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a great night, <laughs> but I, what? Better than a night with can- like Honeydew?
1: exactly agreed
0: oh (laughs) and that's important stuff happening (laughs) this is what people are here for (laughs) so diane goes to meet with the current assistant nicole they meet in a parkade which is just like in my mind where like a shady meeting like this would happen
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but hank is actually there and he has plotted the whole thing to get face-to-face time with diane and it's like no one is going to believe you i'm not a bad guy the news cycle is going to change in 24 hours and i'm going to be forgiven but you're like done i'm hank mm-hmm. Hippopotamus. who the hell are you
1: yeah and that's like the sort of big gut punch moment of the episode in a series of like horrible moments that one's where you're just like this is very heavy and so brutal and i think that was where I was like god how the hell are we going to talk about this
0: Yeah, exactly, right? Mm -hmm. And through the whole episode, too, we get all these news clips. And it does give us a little insight into what Todd is doing as a Prince of Cordovia. But then there's literally right before this scene, there's a part where it talks about how Todd gave away... (laughs) Like, the Prince of Cordovia gave away their whole fortune, fired their main advisor. And it's like, this might fix Cordovia or it might, like, ruin the country forever. We don't really know. But then Mm -hmm. it's like, back to our main story. What's wrong with Diane? Yeah, we hate her. Like, it's... It just goes to show kind of that even though and like nothing happened to her. She's literally just standing up for eight women. And like, I feel like she is doing the right thing, but maybe isn't doing it in the right way. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know what else she could do. That's
0: the thing, too, is it's like, what else is she supposed to do? Yeah. So it's just it's tough. But then we find out that Manatee Fair is killing the story. And like the corporation that owns Manatee Fair also owns NBM. And it's like literally every corporation all in a row
1: yeah yeah and so they're like no i don't think it's a good time for it and like they just don't want to do it even though this amanda hannity or whatever was like all in just before but it's like no i talked to my boss's boss and like it's not happening yeah
0: everything she had to say was on point and you and obviously that's what she would rather do is to post the expose Mm -hmm. but now her career is impacted and suddenly Mm her her tone has shifted
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that I'm sure smarter people than I have said the same thing, but I think it's important to note that when we think about kind of like the big break of Harvey Weinstein, it was like, oh, that finally happened. Like, it was a white dude who broke that story. So, like, I think it's important to recognize that we have Diane. She's a woman of color. She's Vietnamese, and she's trying to break the story, and she's just getting crushed. I think that eventually it took the white guy finally breaking the story, and a guy with, like, power and influence. And so I think that like, this really tracks. This makes a lot of sense and seems very plausible.
0: And that's what makes it's so sad Mm-hmm. so then we find out they've got jojo's the trader joe style of oreo amanda offers one to diane she says no she goes but because you're mad at me right not because jojo's are trash
1: <laughs> that really did make me laugh
0: <laughs> well okay do you have any experience with trader joe's because i've never been to one that we don't have them in canada obviously but like have you ever been to one in the states
1: no but people talk about it all the time
0: people are obsessed with Trader joe's version of everything
1: yeah. Yeah. Everything.
0: Like, let me tell you, if you want Trader Joe's everything but the bagel, go to Costco. You can get a different version that's not Trader Joe's.
1: Mm-hmm. Not
0: everything has to be from Trader Joe's. I hate to break it to you.
1: <laughs> like, like we've said all of these things that are, like, very strong stances about very political subjects, and I think this is what's going to get the most pushback. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying that the people don't need to go to Trader Joe's. I mean, go to people Trader Joe's to if it. you want to.
0: You got to eat. Like, you got to buy groceries anyways. Like, you might as well buy them at Trader Joe's, I guess. I mean, I don't know if they've done anything bad. But mm-hmm. the, like, p- people see Trader Joe's as, like, a religious institution. Maybe they're amazing. and We just don't know. Maybe. I mean, it could be. So... Yeah. Mr. Peanut Butter also has a an entire box of hate mail for Diane, and at this time is when the Prince of Cordovia is like, uh, "America's nice to visit, but this is no way to live. Like, I've got to go back." Yeah, they're still in New York, and Bojack and Diane finally have like their argument about everything, and Bojack's like, "What? Like, what's your end game? Like, what are you playing? Like, what do you expect to happen?" And so Diane asked Bojack, like, well, what, do you think he's innocent? And Bojack's was like, no, of course I don't think he's innocent. I think he did this. But I just don't understand what you're going to accomplish. Because everybody mm-hmm. knows and nobody cares.
1: Yeah, you're not going to be able to beat him.
0: And then this is where Todd comes back in. And this is, like, things, t- th- it took a turn and got even darker. Mm-hmm. Because Todd is like, oh, I might have started a genocide. Like, Cordova is in a bad situation. And, like, this is horrible. Like, I'm sure you've seen it on the news. And they're like, no, the whole news has been about Diane this week. And Todd's like, what? But this is really serious.
1: Yeah. He said like someone came in and asked me if it was a go and I said yes. And he said, God, help us all. And now I'm not sure that was the right answer.
0: Yeah. So Todd's been doing some bad dictator shit. We don't know specifically Mm -hmm. what. And And it does go to show where it's like a lot of international news and like things that people should be aware of happening in the world. You don't find out about them because the news is focused on like whatever fluff piece has has taken the public's attention that week.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember in probably like 2010 I took this class on like ethics and international development and one of the things that we learned about the only thing I remember from that class was this concept of threshold where it was like how much death and destruction and terrible stuff does it take to actually get attention on an issue and this made me think of that of just like nobody cares unless like you can finally bring it up over this threshold it just makes you want to cry yeah what a fun show we talk what about every week. What
0: a great week. show that we're talking about every week. Yeah, and so Bojack and Diane are continuing to argue like who is on whose side. Are we even friends? Bojack brings up the movie, the book situation again, and Diane's like, "But yeah, you won awards for the book and now you got your dream job and like the the book helped with that." And Bojack's like, "But you're my friend." And you hurt my feelings. And it's weird mm-hmm. that you never apologized for it. And he's right, it is weird.
1: Yeah, I think that was a great point. And he, it's hard to argue with that. Like, yeah, she definitely should have apologized.
0: At the end of the day, Bojack has taken all of these benefits to his career based on the book that Diane wrote about him. Mm-hmm. But there is still the human element of where she really did like emotionally manipulate him and mm-hmm. hurt his feelings. And she never apologized for it one time. She is like, I did the right thing, and I won't apologize for that.
1: Yeah, it's not like he made a secret about having his feelings hurt. Like, he was very clear that he didn't like what she wrote.
0: He was at a panel begging her Mm -hmm. to say, I'm a good person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because he was like, "Yeah, it, it never really bothered me if people didn't think that I was good or whatever." But what upsets me is that like you think this stuff about me. That was the that was the moment, Diane.
0: Like that that was the time she get, she does finally apologize, but it's so awkward, and I I don't believe her.
1: Yeah, it's not a great apology, and he even says like, "Are you sorry?"
0: Like I I don't believe that she was sorry, and like yes, he accepts it, and that's his prerogative to do. Again, if someone apologizes to you, like you don't have to keep it. If you apologize to someone. You have to, you know, be okay with them maybe not accepting your apology and maybe you just mm-hmm. move on
1: separately. But, like,
0: they're still in each other's lives and it's so weird that this is how they're leaving it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, in her apology, like, I definitely understand why he's not and why you also are not convinced that it's sincere because she goes, like, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. Like, she kind of... <laughs> she, like, looks away. Yeah. Her
0: body posture is weird. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah.
1: She kind of says it, like, out of the side of her mouth. Like, like
0: okay, I'm boom, how on King of the Hill. Like... <laughs> 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 I want to understand what you're saying yeah. Like you're apologizing to a friend you have to enunciate yeah so it's really I mean, awkward they, they each say that they're in each other's corners and they head home now Diane has reached out to Wayne in the meantime mm-hmm. aka Marcus for listeners Marcus. of this podcast <laughs> and BuzzFeed will print anything so she is going to publish her article there and Mr. Peanut Peanutbutter's like I asked you really nicely not to make this a big thing. Like, you're making it a big thing. You said you wouldn't do that. And so they have, like, a big discussion of, like, yes, something had to be said, but, Diane, why does it have to be you? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe this sounds stupid to you, but, like, I need this game show. It's stupid and it's small, but I've got a box of death threats of people who want to kill my wife because of the things that she is saying on the news about something that she has nothing to do with.
1: That part of it with the hate mail, that to me was actually, like, somewhat compelling where it was, like, yes, you have to. Someone has to say something. I just wish it didn't have to be you because I care about you. And now all of the rage is coming at you personally. And I was like, yeah. And then they insert
0: a little joke of Diane reading one of the letters that's like, you can't, you stupid can't. And she realizes mm -hmm. that they're not not saying can't. (sighs) Mr. Butter is like, you need to go to Cordovia. You need to feel good about yourself. Like, go there, be there, feel good about yourself there. And maybe some space is good for us.
1: Yeah, she looks kind of wounded by that, presumably because of this, like, about face. And then she's like, do you really want that? And he says, well, why does it matter what I want?
0: He's like, since when does what I want matter at all? Yeah. Which, ugh, like a gut punch for their relationship. Which, again, this is just another example of how, like, they don't communicate well. Mm -hmm. Like, their styles are just fundamentally different and they're a bad match.
1: Yeah, it's a bad problem, um, big problem.
0: So next thing we know, she's back at the airport. She's got a literally a comically large Toblerone for Sebastian Saint Clair.
1: <laughs> that was the one thing she had to do. <laughs> yeah,
0: she, she, hey, at least she did it. It's literally the size of her whole torso. So the news is on the TV. Hank Hippopotamus says, "I didn't do it," and our news anchor friend says, "Well, that's good enough for me." Mm-hmm. And then they go to the next story, which is about Kanye West hating Thin Mints we see the woman on the news say is he legally insane again another reference to the future in this episode
1: that I'm sure that none
0: of them thought (laughs) would be coming through
1: yeah 2015 maybe you could have predicted that already
0: yeah I mean you could a little bit but I I thought it was very on the nose and then so Diane is upset she's nothing has really been resolved she feels horrible the man at the airport goes hey smile and the Mm -hmm. episode
1: ends yeah, man, just instant rage for that.
0: <laughs> how many times have you been told to smile by a stranger in public? Could you count it?
1: No. I couldn't. I have no idea. Yeah. And it's like, how many, like, if you asked any man, like, how many times have you been told to smile in public? They would be like, zero. I,
0: and I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's happened so much necessarily to me. But it has happened to me and I can remember it happening to me. I remember times where literally yeah. I'm so scared that I'm just like, OK, mm-hmm. I'll smile and like walk away from this man because hopefully that's all that he wants and I'm not going to like deal with anything else.
1: I read recently, it was Nora McInerney's book, she was talking about like when a man tells you that, basically what they're actually saying is like, I need you to rearrange your face into a position that is more pleasing to me. Yep. Literally. Like, it's not someone saying, I just want you to be happy. That's not what that is. They're saying, like, the way your face is, is uncomfortable for me. And could you please fix that? Well,
0: it's and it's the thing, too, where you, like, how many articles are there about how, like, men don't understand that women being nice to them don't necessarily want to sleep with them because they would just Mm -hmm. never think to be nice to someone they don't want to fuck.
1: Yeah. yeah, Messed (laughs) up. We
0: live in a messed up world. And uh, a lot of things have changed. And the more they change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Did we get any
1: feedback on this episode we, we did do you think we're gonna <laughs> think we're gonna get feedback on this episode do you think people hated this or did people like this i
0: mean I, I think it's hard because i think you can like the episode and think it's a good episode of television while still like hating everything about it
1: i guess i mean our episode of bojack horse Pub. oh i think <laughs> did people like this or did people hate i
0: think this? people liked it but i think that they would prefer if we got to talk about more fun things
1: yeah well yeah because we really we had a lot to cover here
0: buckle up
1: yeah. OK. So we got an email from Sarah. Thank you, Sarah, for being so consistent and reliable. We love you. She had a couple of comments from last week where she says, have you ever accidentally told someone you love them?
0: <laughs> I tell everyone I love them all the time,
1: mm-hmm. right? So
0: like, I'll always be like, OK, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. And so mm-hmm. I have to really like train myself to be like, no, but like if you're saying it to someone that like could co- like take it in a romantic way, like you can't say that. You can't be like, love you.
1: Cause mm-hmm. they're gonna think
0: you mean I love you. Like to me, love you and I love you are two very <laughs> different things. Like I'll always like we're gonna end the Zoom call and we okay love you, bye.
1: So I'm a big. <laughs> I always tell the story of like I'm a big. Sayer of I love you as well, or just love you, whatever. When I was a child, I was very morbid and assumed that my family would die. So yeah. anytime I would just like leave the room, I'd be like, okay, love you, just in case you're dead. So I mean, I used to, know. to
0: like some of the bedtime stories that my mom used to read to us, they all had like a pretty heavy religious like overtone mm-hmm. to them. But one that has always stuck with me and it really stuck with my family too, like with my sister and my mom, is that. There's one of the stories is about a girl who got in a big fight with her mom and that's the last conversation they ever had because her mom died. And so it's like I would rather end every interaction with like an I love you because that's Mm -hmm. how we ended it. Like that's how things end if and if God forbid something bad happened to someone or to me. I don't want anyone to be sitting thinking like, oh, my last interaction with that person was bad and yep. then f- there'd be any guilt on my side or on someone else's side. So that is, that's actually a big reason why I also was like, hey, love you. Bye. Like, mm-hmm.
1: like you just want to um, make sure like it's important that you let people know that you love them while they're still in your life. And I think that like, we get so freaked out about like, how are people going to take this that like, I feel like we need to just like, if you love someone, just tell them it's fine. Yeah. We're a pro-love podcast, in spite of our angry feminism.
0: (laughs) But that's the thing. I don't think we're necessarily like, it's that this is angry feminism. I think that Mm -hmm. we're just two women operating in the world, expressing our beliefs on how we feel about Mm -hmm. things. And that doesn't have like a... An emotion value to it like it's just facts that we're sharing how we feel about our experiences Mm -hmm. of being alive and that doesn't negate the ability to feel love or be positive or be kind because at the end of the day I think I can speak for both of us that our beliefs are rooted in caring about people and wanting things to be better for everyone and Mm -hmm. you can be both ways i can be really mad about an issue and i can be passionate about wanting things to be better but that doesn't mean that i'm not someone who can be like okay love you bye like they they don't they're not opposites
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes in fact they go very well together because at the end
0: of the day we just care about stuff caring about stuff is
1: cool exactly and the things that you care about people
0: think maybe it's Um, not cool i think it's cool
1: Agreed. Sarah also says she hates Catcher in the Rye, whiny nonsense. So same page.
0: And again, I hated it at like 16 when, mm-hmm. by all accounts, <laughs> I should have loved it.
1: Her last question was, when we rewatch, do we watch the entire intro or do we skip the credits? I skip the credits.
0: I watch the credits, but I'm normally like taking notes on the pre-credit scene.
1: Mm-hmm. For this episode, she says Scott Wolf and Matthew Fox may be one of my favorite sight gags. I've yes, didn't touch that on that, was but it is very
0: excellent. funny, very well done. Where you know who you would expect to be a fox is a wolf, and who you expect to be a wolf mm-hmm. is a fox. She
1: um, says Erica. She apparently chose Mr. Peanut Butter at the divorce. This is a good point. Right? She decided to continue being friends with him. Exactly. Yeah, the garage scene is so ominous. Definitely how Bill Cosby would shake people down. Good call. I think Bill Cosby would do much worse. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. When do you think the writers realized they had a really interesting character and Diana decided to flesh out her character? It almost feels like they were letting the character inspire them as they wrote and didn't necessarily know where they would end up. I think that's interesting.
0: I don't know. And see, that's a a discussion that Mary and I have about Riverdale all the time because she is very, like, adamant that they just, like, are making shit up as they go along and they don't have a plan at all. (laughs) And I am adamant that, like... They know what they're doing, like, for a season of the show. Like, maybe they don't know where it's going to go after that, but I think that they have planned the season in advance. She thinks they're yeah. just writing episodes as it goes, and I, I don't <laughs> think that that TV works. So, I think that they probably, after season one, I think a lot of people resonated with Diane. And that almost is like made more possible by the fact that they didn't flesh her out that much. It's like Mm -hmm. how Stephanie Meyer talks about writing Twilight and like purposefully (laughs) not describing (laughs) like what Bella looks like because she wanted every like 13 year old girl who was reading it to see themselves in her.
1: Mm-hmm. right the comparison I was gonna make was like I remember reading a thing it was by the oatmeal I think where he was like we could like call her pants because you can just put her on like a pair of pants and she, and she will be you. yeah
0: ex- so. exactly right and so I think that by having Diane in season one not have as much of an identity of her own it gave people the ability to really like step into again her pants you know And, Mm -hmm. or I guess her green cardigan, as it were. And so after that, I think people really resonated with her and they probably were like, okay, we need to do more with this because we have a character Mm -hmm. that people really love. And I don't think you can last forever with a character that doesn't have any substance and have people
1: still love you. Agreed. Yeah. So, so that's all from Sarah. She did do lots of pausing on site gigs, which we always appreciate. There was um, also,
0: there like, they had, like, the news ribbon, had a bunch of information on it. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, I couldn't be,
1: like, I couldn't I think, do it. I think that was included in what Sarah put. Um, let's see. She said, Prince Gustav wins silly dance contest, Cordobian peasants starve. Scientists declare chicken for days, new glut bucket, part of a balanced breakfast. Mm. Prince Gustav introduces sweeping reforms to Cordovian legislature uses salad fork as back scratcher yeah take a job at M- <laughs> take a job at MSNBC and you can write novels on the weekends they said
0: oh my god <laughs> we also got some tweets so, some people were catching up on horse over the past week Will from america points out that Henry Winkler Henry Winkler was also the principal in Scream and that we were so oppressed with impressed with keith olbermann's newscaster voice but like he's literally a sports commentator
1: (laughs) i don't remember us being impressed with his voice but like it checks out (laughs)
0: like we pulled up his imdb like we know his job like let us live well (laughs) let me live my life let me live my life jenny autumn appreciated the love and appreciation she was like, this is the second seemingly unprompted nice tweet today. And it probably says something about my anxiety that it's made me nervous. Love you. So I then messaged her and was like, here's what's going on.
1: Oh, good. I wondered if someone
0: was going to explain it to her. I mean, she said she loves us. So now that big brother is on hiatus, she might jump back into her BoJack watch through. So we hope so. Jenny Uh, has never watched before. Would love to have her on at some point.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. And she can catch up and hear all the nice things we've said about her.
0: Exactly. Um, Tim messaged us basically a video that explains the ending of Bojack Horseman, which...
1: So don't watch it uh, if you haven't seen don't,
0: it. Don't watch it if you never watch the show, but it is a good video. And I feel like mm-hmm. we would have more to dive into after season six. Uh, Edward Morris also thanked us for ruining eggs for him today because he'll forget by the next day. Well, Edward, this is your reminder that eggs are a chicken's period. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Deirdre also sent us a message that said, "If you guys don't discuss what's the best Girl Scout cookie, we riot." And then she said, "Wait, unless you don't have Girl Scout cookies in Canada, and in that case, goddamn." Yes. Like, we so we
0: actually <laughs> should take this opportunity to talk about the Girl Guides, which is Canada's answer yeah. to the Girl Scouts. They do sell cookies as well, but there are only two kinds. They sell Thinmints in the fall, and they sell like the fake Oreos sandwich, sandwich cookies, cookies <laughs> in the spring. Yeah, and I like them both.
1: Yeah. They're both fine.
0: <laughs> which out of the sandwich cookies do you prefer, the chocolate or the vanilla?
1: I feel like when I was a kid, I preferred the chocolate ones. I don't know which one I prefer now. I think now I prefer the mint to both of them. I like but... the
0: vanilla sandwich cookies. Yeah. I like Thin Mints too, but I think I might like the vanilla sandwich cookies better than Thin Mints even.
1: Yeah. The chocolate ones are, have that very like artificial chocolate taste. I
0: think it's the thing too where it's like, Oreos work because they've got chocolate cookie and white icing, and so having like the chocolate cookie with chocolate icing is
1: just too much for me. It's a lot, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we also got a new review. What? So it says this is from Cycle Nurse. Each week I watch and listen. I love the analysis and banter from the host. Feels like you're becoming friends with them each week. Aww,
0: so nice. That's really cute. And I assume that was in the U.S. store because Canadians aren't giving us reviews.
1: Yeah. What's up, Canada? yeah
0: what's surf sub up? Up, canada write us a review Write write Surf's us a five-star down. review surf is not up if you refuse to review us maybe yeah. all of our canadian listeners have already reviewed us
1: it's possible <laughs> all eight of them yeah so do that yeah
0: please and also if you want to be part of the conversation you could tweet us at bojack HorsePod, or you can email us bojack horse pod at gmail.com Lindsay, what else do you have going on right now
1: So we have The Simpsons Then and Now, which is the podcast where we talk about two episodes of The Simpsons. You can check that out. We're doing that every two weeks. And then as of the time you're listening to this, I will also have just been on the, what are we talking about? Survivor 40 season countdown. The (laughs) RHAP
0: Survivor countdown.
1: Yes. I will have just been talking about Survivor Africa with the great Haley Strong. So check that out. I love
0: Haley Strong so much. Love you so much. I can't wait to listen. I actually also am kind of a Survivor Africa defender, so...
1: Oh, me too. Uh, I'm very excited.
0: We'll be very oh, lots excited. Of takes. I'm very excited to listen to that. And if people want to hear from me, currently this is my only podcasting endeavor. What Whoa. a dream. But I will have also been once this comes out it will have it will have already happened, but you can go back and watch the video on demand on the RHAP Twitch channel where I am Ooh. playing rhap wheel of fortune on monday (laughs) may 17th so you can go back and rewatch the video it will still be up Um, and i'll be there frail mary will be there please and bikili will be there and of course rob will be there um and i'll be living my wheel of fortune fantasy as well follow me everywhere kirsten said what including twitch.tv slash kirsten said what where i am streaming at least three times a week currently played some dream daddy recently
1: oh how was that it's
0: pretty fun we we made a cool dad his name is byron wyman
1: (laughs) classic byron
0: classic byron (laughs) he has a pink man bun
1: oh yeah pretty cool nice
0: well i think we've done it i think that's all we'll close another episode of horse pod yeah we'll see you next
1: week bye